Hello and welcome into the Take 10 Podcast. This week's guests are Cassius Winston from Michigan State Basketball and the Washington Wizards and Big Ten Network Manager of Research, Harold Shelton. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh, my All right, before we get started, first a word from our sponsor, Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. Great opportunity there to launch a career in sports with that master's program very excited to welcome them back on as a presenting sponsor of the podcast for, uh, I believe, the fourth time. So shout out to them. Maybe the fifth time. Shout out to Northwestern SPS, as always, for supporting the show. All right. Now, with our first guest, as I mentioned off the top, it's Cassius Winston. Very familiar name for anyone who has watched college basketball, even more so if you are a Michigan State Spartans, a Big Ten fan. Um, Cassius is one of the best players to come through that program and, and as a uh, iconic figure for sure, playing four years, winning Big Ten titles, uh, Player of the Year honors, taking Michigan State to a Final Four, just a um, <clears throat> awesome all-around talent and a great guy to talk to, always been a great interview and a multi-layered dude and um, definitely that shines through as here, shines through as well here, this uh, interview is no different. Um, so when I, I reached out to see if Cash would come on. I, I knew uh, it'd be a fun discussion, and it definitely is. So we will get into the big uh, the Take 10 podcast discussion with Cassius Winston, star point guard for four years from Michigan State and current guard on the Washington Wizards. And the interview starts right now. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by a Big Ten legend here on the show, a four-year star from Michigan State basketball, current guard for the Washington Wizards. It is Cassius Winston. Cassius, man, how's your summer? How you doing? Man, it's going good. It's going good. Been grinding, grinding in D.C. for the summer. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. And definitely want to talk about your experience in uh, in D.C. as we get into it here. But I saw you recently signed another two-way deal, right, with the, with the Wiz? Yep, yep. Signed another contract. Uh, signed it last week. So, got another year. Like I said, another opportunity to try to go out there and make something happen. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. You know, anytime, uh, especially a second-round pick, you know, continue to sign those deals. Love to see that, especially for a Big Ten alum. Um, can you take me inside, though, like year one, just with everything that was going on with the variables with COVID and you going back and forth between the G League and the league? Um, was it what you expected, or, or how would you kind of reflect on it overall? Um, I think it was so different that nobody really knew what to expect. You know what I mean, so I kind of knew coming in that it wasn't going to be a normal, normal year. So I, this probably be my first actual normal year of the NBA to actually see it. So, I mean, didn't really have any expectations or anything like that. It's just kind of whatever happened, kind of you had to just figure out the road with it and figure it out. Yeah. Did you have like a welcome to the league type moment? I know it was a, a strange year, but um, whether that was like guarding or locking up some dude that you watched on TV growing up or someone, you know, that you practice alongside like a teammate, uh, yeah, right. where, where you, where you come into it and you're like, wow, this is really, really my life now. 
Uh, I mean, I had a, a couple moments. Uh, one, uh, practicing with Russ was like, I was like, oh, like, okay, like, this is actually Russell Westbrook. Like, as he's right here on the same court. Like, we out here. So, I'm like, oh, yeah, we definitely in the NBA. Uh, I scored my first NBA bucket. I scored that. And it hit me later. I was like, I just, I just scored. Like, I just scored a basket in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that moment. Uh, and then I saw my favorite player. Saw Damian Lillard. He was warming up out there on the court. And I was like, uh, like he's actually on the court like you know what I'm saying like we on the same court we about to play against him he about to play against us like so that was another moment right there where I was like I'm actually in the NBA like officially an NBA player yeah I'm glad you brought up Russ uh no I had to bring him up even if you weren't yeah. going to but I saw that clip went viral when uh you know he, he did the little hip check in the in the starting lineup and and we know Russ is like famous for his uh his pregame routine so the, f- the fact that you were kind of caught up in that and got knocked over did you know when that happened like, oh, this is gonna be like on the gram later. This is gonna be. Oh, yeah. Viral. All right. All right. Knew. I knew it was bad. Uh, he caught me. Usually I'm ready for it. You know what I'm saying? I fall on purpose a lot of times, just, you know what I'm saying? It gas him up a little bit. But that time, it's something he just caught me at a different angle. I wasn't really ready. And it was bad. So once that, once I hit the floor, I was like, yeah, this is probably gonna be all out somewhere. Did he say anything to you about it? Nah, he, he, he keep pushing. He wasn't even, he didn't even think about it. He talked about it a little bit after. You feel me? Coach was trying to make little jokes and everything like that, but it, it was cool. So you obviously had two, you know, t- Hall of Fame type caliber players on that team with Russ and, and Brad Beal. How do you kind of ingratiate yourself into that sort of locker room, you know, being a rookie? And, and Bradley Beal even said after one of the games late in the year that you were kind of the one keeping his head right on the sideline, like keeping him locked in on the way to a win, which is, you know, just hearing that out of a rookie is wild to me. So what? how did you, you know, get comfortable with those guys and, and fit in? Oh, just just being myself. You know what I mean? Just being myself, uh, knowing that I'm the rookie. You feel me? And I'm here to I'm here to learn. I'm listening. I'm asking questions. Uh, you feel me? Whatever y'all got to say, I'm gonna try to figure it out and listen and all that type of stuff. So I'm always asking questions. I'm always picking their brain. I'm always because that's the goal. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where you want to be. That's that's the caliber of play you want to be. That's the position you want to be in. Uh, so whatever. Whatever they're trying to let me know, whatever knowledge they're trying to give me, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to I'm trying to soak it all in. And the same time, I'm sharing my story. You know what I mean like everybody's story is different. Everybody's been through different things, everybody's seen different things. You know what I mean? I may have not played in the NBA, but I have played some good basketball. You know what I mean? So I, I may know something and I also don't know a lot. So we kind of got that that relationship where I can say like what I see and how I'm seeing it, and he'll tell me. No, nah, this is not. That's not it. Like this is more so it. And I'm like, okay, I ain't never thought of it that way. So things like that, we kind of had that that back and forth. So when the news hit that Russ was going to LA, do your eyes kind of widen a little bit? You know, knowing that that's a that's an opportunity at your position that that will need minutes to be filled now, and and you know maybe gives you more of an opportunity to step in. Oh, of course, of course. You know what I mean, love Russ to death, appreciate it. You know, what I'm saying I think he was he was, he was great for me. He was always there for me. Looked out for me. But the opportunity to open up, you know what I mean, is is always good. Like I'm never gonna shy away from that. that I'm never not gonna be, you know, me excited about that. So of course I want to play. So whatever opportunity comes that allows me to get out there, then I'm ready for. It. All right, things have been a little more normal this summer. You know, things have opened back up. What have you been up to? I don't know if you've been training in D.C., but what are your go-to spots in the the D.C. area? Hanging out there? Like, have you kind of settled in the community a little bit? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. It's still like. Things are still like not all the way lifted up, you know what I mean? But I've been able to get out, see places, see things, 
Uh, like I said, D.C. is a, a really nice city. A lot of good food, a lot of good areas to go. So it's, it's been really good here so far. Yeah, one of my favorite cities for sure. Uh, yeah. Curious about the offseason, too. Like, I always see NBA offseason, like, on Instagram, you know, people working out, whether it's at that uh, that gym in New York or Chris Brickley, you know, people doing these offseason runs. And it's like an Olympic team almost out there. with, with the yeah, Right. Like, do you get in any of these uh, off-season pickup games, or what, what's the scene like? Do you kind of keep keep off to the side uh, by yourself? Uh, well, this summer, I mean, I'm pretty sure I was gonna do a lot more of that uh, eventually. But this summer, I was kind of just tucked up by myself. You know what I mean, I was just in DC in my own little groove, just getting in the gym every day, working on what I need to work on. Was able to get to some runs here that was that was up here and stuff like that. So I was still able to get it in, but mostly just tucked off right now, just trying to work on my game. No Drew League for you yet. No, nah, not yet. Not yet. We make an appearance eventually. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> all right, Cassius, we got to talk uh, Michigan State, obviously. Um, you know, I tried to, like, think about being in college a few years ago and, and just trying to think about, like, when COVID hits, like, what would be the worst time for it to hit? And, and I'm trying to debate whether it's, like, senior year like it did for you or if it would be a freshman year type deal. I'm just curious from your perspective, like, was it worse because it, it all happened at the end of your senior year or was there a silver lining that you kind of accomplished a lot already, um, went to the final four, got your senior day send off, but also did not get to have like the proper uh, ending because yeah. you don't know what, what could have happened. What could have happened. Yeah. I mean, I would say in my situation, it's probably a lot different than most. I mean, by, I think by the time that our tournament was cut off, like I already won big 10 championships I already, you know what I'm saying? Like I accomplished a lot of things. So, I guess it was different for me than maybe somebody else who that might've been their first tournament that they made, or, you know what I'm saying? That might've been their opportunity to play and things like that. So I can, I can see where it's two-sided, you know what I mean? Where it's, it was uncontrollable, you know what I mean? It wasn't really much in our control, wasn't really much we can do. So it's not one of those things I'm necessarily going to dwell on and feel down about and things like that. Cause it's just, who could have known? So of course, I wish we could have got out there and had another chance at it because you never know. Like I said, I feel like you could have did something special and that would have been another accomplishment that I could have had. But like I said, we I guess we just, we just never know. So obviously had a great career there, uh, made the final four, won big 10 titles. Like you said, what would you say, you know, throughout that, that great resume that you had, what would be one or two memories that you kind of cherish most, hold on to tightly and, and we'll tell about, uh, you know, tell about the old days when you get back together down the road with, with your guys. Oh man. Uh, it's probably a couple of, couple of like landmark uh, accomplishments that kind of set like I was like okay like set in stone like mark like my progress. Uh, I remember my first trophy I got was like the PK80 tournament where I got the MVP it's for that tournament and I was like it was like okay you know what I'm saying like your hard work getting rewarded is like okay like I've been working really hard to get this to get where I'm at and this is something to show for it uh, the Big Ten. Uh, player of the year, another one. You like something just like, like that's what it all. That's what it. That's what all that went into. Like that's all the work, all the times, all that time I spent. Like here's the something that shows like that I accomplished that. You know what I'm saying? That I worked for that. Uh, going to the final four, like that's another one of those things where it's just like you know what I mean. That's with all that time you spent. People don't know how much time you actually put into that, put into your game. And these are these little moments that you can kind of, kind of show for it. Yeah, you know, I have dudes on this show, and I'll ask them what their memories are. And, like, it's hard to top Final Four, Big Ten Player of the Year, and then, you know, you can toss that PK-80 in there, too. That's not <laughs> too uh, All right, talking about your head coach real quick. Uh, every time I've interacted with Izzo, like, I've always been struck by, whether it's, like, at Media Days or we did some Zooms last year. Like, he's just a funny guy. Like, he'll, he'll like, crack jokes. And I didn't – I don't know if people 
know that that are outside of the Michigan State bubble or, or universe. Uh, do you have an Izzo story or like an Izzo-ism that, that happens uh, when he's either doing something goofy or, or just makes you laugh? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily him, but one thing Coach Izzo does do is he trips over his feet all the time. Like, all the time, all the time. It never falls, though. It's just always a little, like a little mini mini trip. Catch yourself. I've seen him do it maybe a thousand times since I've been there. It's ridiculous. That's wild. <laughs> I didn't expect to hear that, but that's a, that's a good one. And we'll have to like have, we'll have to have Andy Katz or one of our guys ask him about that. Yeah, see, see. Me? ask him. <laughs> He's got like the wrong wrong shoe size on or something. Oh no, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Love that. Uh, speaking of uh, funny dudes in the locker room, like I remember back at that Final Four, how funny Gabe Brown was, and we know he's a, he he can be a clown sometimes, like just just goofing uh-huh. off. But we were in that locker room before the Final Four, and he just was like screaming and yelling in there and answering questions. <laughs> it was hilarious. Is he the funniest dude you've had in the locker room or are there others? Well, I don't even know. You can really call Gabe funny for real. He does some funny stuff, but I don't know if he's the funniest dude. Uh, who was the funniest dude? I don't know. Marky? Yeah, Marky always. Marky, uh, Marcus Bingham might be the funniest. He might be one of the funniest dudes on the team. Those two guys were, I just remember clowning, uh, just in that 15 minutes we were allowed to be in that locker room. It was funny. So. Yeah, well, hilarious all the time. Jaron is funny too. When I've talked to him, uh, yep. that's a good yep. Jaron funny too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Cassius, before we wrap up, uh, I want to talk some of your Big Ten opponents that you played. And I know this is like kind of on the spot, but off the dome, if you could just name maybe three guys that were really tough to lock up in college in the Big Ten, guys that you, uh, scored up against that that were just a problem all the time. Mm. Uh, three guys who were tough through the conference. Uh, Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards was crazy. Uh, Tony Carr. Tony Carr was crazy. I remember Tony was cooking. Um, I don't know. I can't think. Of, um, two's pretty solid. Those are two. Two yeah, two he feel me. Yeah, that was a two yeah. solid ones. But yeah, yeah, but it was a tough conference. Like I said, it was a lot of good players, a lot of good guards. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was very competitive in my time there for sure. All right, gonna pivot away from hoops talk to close it out here. Uh, I've been told by a well placed source that you're a big, big fan of superheroes. Batman, is that true? Yeah, Batman, best superhero ever. Okay, so who, who do you prefer playing Batman? Uh, the Christian Bale version, like Dark Knight. The Ben Affleck, like Batman, Superman version. Who, who's your favorite person to play Batman? Uh, so far, I mean, you're not gonna beat the the uh, Dark Knight and you feel me, Christian Bale. That's that's he definitely got it so far. I didn't like Ben Affleck at it, but you know I mean, it's Batman, so I watched it, but I was not a fan of it. Uh, there's somebody new doing it, right? Who's the new one? Uh, I think so. I'm not. A, I'm not the biggest superhero guy, but I really love the Dark Knight movies. Yeah, and then, yeah. So he definitely got it. That's not even close. But yeah, Ben Affleck was terrible. I think people agree. Yeah, I think. I think that's kind of the popular sentiment. Is that <laughs> I was probably too worried about J Lo to be an effective Batman. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question for you. Um, we saw Donda drop this past weekend. Kanye dropped his new album. Um, I personally am a bigger Drake fan, and I'm excited for Drake's album to drop. Who do you side with here? Are you a Drake or Kanye fan? I mean, I'm a bigger Drake fan, so I would take I would take Drake. Uh, but I think Kanye still like what he's doing is impressive though. Like the the amount of like effort and work and artwork he put into that is impressive. So we should see what what Drake come out with. Yeah, uh, 
Kanye was just here at Soldier Field in Chicago uh, last week, and he shut the city down. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so that's that's crazy. Like that's crazy impressive that he putting that much into his music and stuff. So yeah, yeah glad to know your team jersey though, like myself. <laughs> um, I guess I have to follow up though. One last thing on the on the, the rap scene. You're a Detroit guy, so uh, I know there's some famous Detroit rappers. Like all, going all the way back to Eminem. Uh, that was that was kind of my uh, favorite Detroit rapper growing up. But uh, who who on that scene are you uh, are you uh, high on? Uh, in Detroit, I, there's a lot of good Detroit rappers right now. My favorite, Bayface Ray. He, I think he's the sweetest one in the city right now. Gotti, Baby Money, Baby Smoothies. Like, out of those guys right now, probably the ones. 42 Doug, guys that I probably listen to the most that's really um, popular right now. You got to you gotta keep people uh, on it, man. People sleep on the Detroit pizza and the Detroit rap scene. So you got to I know, right? All the time. Got to make sure they know. <laughs> All right, Cash man. Well, I know you're, uh, you know, prepping for the season that's coming up quick because these these NBA schedules are condensed still with COVID. So, uh, you know, I'll let you go. But I appreciate you taking some time, letting us catch up with you, and always fun, you know, watching you from your, your days at Michigan State and now in the league. So we'll be rooting for you. My man, appreciate that. All right, thanks again to Cassius for joining. Uh, always excited to interact with him and wish him the best of luck as he navigates his NBA career. Uh, like we mentioned in the interview, should have uh, expanded opportunity now that Russell Westbrook's out of the picture and he can take on more of that point guard role um, in Washington and with that two-way deal, you know, continue to hone his skills in the G League at times as well. So shout out to Cassius and we'll bring another Michigan State grad on the show, Harold Shelton. Um, Harold is not a hooper, but if you listen to the show, he is a very important piece of our week-to-week efforts here on the podcast. He is our manager of research at Big Ten Network and just talks general Big Ten football and basketball um, pretty much every every episode here on the pod. So talk to Harold about a, a huge week one coming up in Big Ten football. Talk to him about his uh, one of his favorite players in Cassius as well off the top. But Harold is the guy to go to for uh, Big Ten analysis, and he does just that coming up in his segment. It's the week one breakdown with our manager of research, Harold Shelton. All right. Very pleased to be rejoined in the month of September now by Harold Shelton H. We uh, had a slow summer for the most part, but we're back at it big time this fall and diving right in with an exciting week one. Are you ready? Uh, I know it's a lot of work for you and we have big matchups right off the bat. Did you say it was September? Seriously? It's already here. September of 2021. It's crazy. It's crazy how fast it came. But I mean, I could definitely tell we're here. The workload has picked up significantly. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. This week is extremely uh, interesting for a lot of different reasons. You know, the fact that we got, you know, 10 teams playing a conference game already, two top 20 matchups, you know, right off the bat. You know, the first time the Big Ten has had uh, two uh, top 20 conference games on the same day in September. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Yeah, we'll talk about a lot of that. Um, and for me, I feel like I'm just spoiled and, and ready for football because a couple weeks ago, I, I went to a Miami Dolphins preseason game. And then last week, I went to the Illinois-Nebraska game. So a lot of football already uh, before the month of September. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm ready. It's back. Like, it was kind of the last thing that I had an experience with fans. Like, I've been to uh, basketball and then went to some baseball games this summer. But Really nothing like uh, college football with fans. So I'm, I'm all juiced up, man. Like, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
Hey, like you said, you, you've made the rounds. You've been able to actually see some football in person, so I can already tell you're juiced up. Your guys are, are already on the board, so to speak, too, so I'm waiting on my guys to see what they do uh, this Friday. Yeah, we'll talk about that Week Zero matchup in a second. But first, we got to talk a little Sparty uh, basketball, not even football, just because we had Cassius Winston on this show. Um, you know, we, we do like to get your memories of the, of the guests, and this one is probably going to be the best fit out of anybody unless I get – uh, like Draymond on somehow someday. I don't know. But uh, Cassius is probably my favorite Michigan State basketball player um, to come out of that program. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, you know, Cassius overall, what he means to to you, and then maybe some favorite memories. Uh, I mean, this, this seems like an easy one, but hard at the same time because he provided a lot of great, great memories. Um, I always root for the Detroit guys, too, that, that went to Michigan State. So it's kind of the double for me. Uh, I was in the building for the Big Ten Championship game against Michigan in 2019 and kind of seeing him, you know, will the Spartans to, to a title there and beat Michigan for the third time in like three weeks. Um, that, that definitely will stick out to me. Um, and then obviously the crazy Final Four run, you know, a couple weeks after that. And, you know, I remember being in the office when, he, you know, catches the ball and is running away from Zion. And, you know, it's kind of hitting you like, oh, wow, we're going to Final Four. Like, this is awesome. And, like, I was really happy for him because he's he's been such a great ambassador for the program. You know, when everything was going on in 2018, you know, he kind of stood in front of people and kind of addressed the situation that was going on on campus. And doing that as a sophomore, you could tell that he was going to be a guy that, you know, could be a leader and be the face of the program. And he certainly was that his final two years. Yeah. Like I said, uh, this was a layup for you, you know, to, to kind of put his career in context. And like you said, a lot of, a lot of rough patches for him personally. Uh, and then, you know, handling some of the program turbulence as well, but um, just overall good guy, like fun to talk to. He's even after he's gone to uh, the league that he's done multiple things back with us at big 10 network stays connected to the, program so uh i knew i think when i reached out that he'd most likely come on and and was not disappointed and then in the conversation you know just the, the same guy that we've kind of known through interviews and then uh gotten to know you know we've had those brief personal interactions so happy to have cassius on uh, really really great discussion and um we'll, we'll now switch back to bat to football after a brief uh, foray into basketball there but Harold, like you mentioned at the top, my uh, fighting Illini, the alma mater, got it done. I, I was down for the game um, last Saturday, and it was just a good time, like to to see not only Illinois fans but Nebraska fans all kind of getting back in in the college football swing of things. Um, it was a hot day, but crowd was in good spirits. I know Nebraska fans are disappointed with with that debut. Um, hard not to be if you're if you're invested in that program and you know wanting to see them do well. But on the flip side, I think it was a great start for Illinois under Brett Bielema, just kind of seeing their, uh, I think, confidence in the spring and summer pay off that this would potentially be a different spin in the coaching carousel. Uh, I don't know your, your thoughts off what you saw, but it seems like Illinois is getting a lot of good press, not only in the Big Ten, but but nationally. I can't say I was surprised by the result. I think I was a little surprised at them leading by 21 at one point before having to hold on, but I certainly wasn't surprised. Um, you know, I thought the familiarity of being in the Big Ten, I know it's been a while, but just, the, you know, he 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 knows the the league, he knows the footprint of the state, he can get guys to buy in, 
and you know the fact that he was able to you know come up with a game plan after Peters got hurt to where they could still keep Nebraska off balance and I remember you know talking to a couple of coworkers, you know that first drive of the second half and I'm like this is a soul-sucking drive for Nebraska and it just it felt like very Wisconsin of old where you run the ball the same direction time after time after time get little chunks get little chunks take up eight minutes off the clock you score and you look up and all of a sudden like you limit possessions you get six out of it. You put all the pressure on Nebraska. And I think, it, you know, for him coming in as an underdog, you know, they were a complete wild card. You didn't really know what to expect. And, you know, Scott Frost alluded to it. He was outcoached. And, uh, you know, I thought Brett Bielema did a great job in his debut for sure. Yeah, how about uh, Artie Party, Art Sikowski? It's kind of a guy that, uh, you know, was down at Rutgers. And, and I saw that he had transferred, and I was like, on one hand, you got a experienced Big Ten quarterback. On the other hand, he really struggled there. But I, I think a lot of that has to do potentially with your surroundings, right, and the situation you're put in. And I think that also carries over to how head coaches can succeed in places that maybe didn't have a lot of success before. Like a lot of college football fans, I think, view the sport through a lens that certain schools are doomed or destined to fail. Others are always destined to succeed. And I've never really bought into that, and, and we see it right in front of us year after year, you know, teams and programs like Iowa State, Washington State succeeding recently. And I just think it takes getting somebody who knows what they're doing and and is uh, just in the right spot and at the right time as far as a, a head coach goes. And Elamo, I think, brings something that Illinois hasn't really had as far as, uh, in a while at least, as far as a proven track record at uh, the college level of, of competence, right, like on the field. The way Nebraska looked was the way I was used to Illinois looking over pretty much my entire uh, experience watching them growing up, right? Like penalties, um, Taylor Britt fielding a punt at the one and then throwing it out of bounds for a safety. Things like that seem to happen a lot more to Illinois, and, and that discipline was always missing. Seems like, at least, you know, from a very small sample size, some of that might be instilled there. And I just think that's what it takes, right? Like anywhere can be turned around. Obviously, some places easier than others, but if you have a, a, a man or person at the top who knows what they're doing and is invested in experience. I think anywhere can have at least some level of uh, success. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And I feel like college football is a sport where like your margin for error is so thin if you don't have elite talent that you have to do all of the little things, right? And then if you do that, I think more often than not, you'll be successful. So the fact that, you know, they, they didn't, have many pen, didn't have many penalties, it took advantage of turnovers, you know, he had a scoop and score. You know, the fact that, you know, when, when Nebraska shot themselves in the foot, they took advantage of it, stuff like that. If they continue to do that, then I think, as Jerry DiNardo would say, the matchup opponents where you have like equal talent or maybe slightly less talent, like, not making those mistakes can allow you to win a lot of games. And so, you know, if they could continue to build on this, you know, we'll see how tough the, the rest of the West is. But, you know, I think starting out one and know here, you know, if you get get these two uh, or three non-conference games, you know, get a couple more in conference, get, get bowling, get the momentum going in the program, you know, I think that'd be a great start in year one. Yeah, the players deserve a lot of credit too. Like definitely coaches, uh, it's not not all – uh, not all credit goes to them because a lot of players came back and bought in and a lot of veteran guys who've been through a lot of losses. So, you know, you look at uh, Hanson, Peters, and you hope Peters is okay and, and can come back pretty quickly. Barker, guys like that, Luke Ford, um, 
lot of guys who, who are seeing, <clears throat> you know, that investment pay off. Uh, on the other side, oh, like Karin too, right? He he yeah. was almost out the door, and then Bielema had to talk him back to to come in and stay and coming and staying, and he made a big impact on Saturday too. Yeah, it helps a lot in year one when you got that much experience coming back. Um, on the flip side, we'll just talk to Nebraska before we look ahead to week one. Talk about Nebraska a little bit. Um, they're obviously getting beat up right now, just in the in kind of the grinder of of uh spotlight being on them and it being such a uh, standalone game and now there's a lot of questions just about how they're going to respond um the good thing is it's it's early for them right so how do they kind of salvage a, a some positive momentum a season here where they have a tough schedule and i got oklahoma in the preseason um but first you got fordham coming up here yeah i mean you at least got a nice landing spot after that game with fordham you know you get a little confidence back you know, hopefully you get to see the Adrian Martinez that everybody was talking about we'd see this year that was similar to his freshman year. Um, I just think for Nebraska, and Scott Frost alluded to it in his postgame com- uh, comments, is this the same movie over and over and over again? The same way they lose games from 18, 19, and 20 was how they lost to Illinois you know, over the weekend. It's the same thing. It's the, the penalties. It's turnovers. Uh, you know, not being able to get a stop when you need to, you know, Martinez had, you know, a couple guys wide open in the end zone. He missed them. It was just the same thing over and over again. And, you know, the fact that they've got 13 losses by one possession in his tenure, you know, just tied for the most in the country. Like it's a pattern. And for whatever reason, it seems like when the chips are down, they can't seem to rise up and get over the hump. It kind of filters into that what was me what's you know what now oh here we go again it seems like they have a lot of that uh just from an outside you know point of view it, it seems like that is occurring with them um because once you saw you know one thing go bad illinois took advantage and took advantage again it took advantage again and you can kind of see it snowball a little bit um so you got to hope that you win the next two. Oklahoma is going to be really, really tough. And then after that, you got to hope you can beat, you know, the Michigan States of the world in your crossover. Maybe you can beat Northwestern. Maybe you can beat a Minnesota, you know, teams who aren't expected to be as good this year. Well, one thing's for sure. I mean, this is not a program where the fans are going to completely check out. Like everyone will be watching still and the national media will be still, I think, interested in what happens and how it unfolds. Um, all right. So spend enough time talking about that game. We have a great week one ahead, like we alluded to. I think it's the best week one slate that I've seen. Like, I, you know, usually we're used to the uh, directional schools coming in and, and just getting beat up. But a lot of in-conference matchups this weekend, some interesting non-conference matchups. This is how I like it. I hope that it stays this way uh, going forward in college football. Like, I don't need to see three blowouts before we get any interesting games in October. How are you feeling? Is this the best week one lineup you've seen so far yeah I mean just kind of off the top of my head I would certainly think so you know the fact that we've got five conference games in the the first week is you know unheard of um and the fact that two of them are top 20 matchups again as I was saying earlier first time we've ever seen that you know uh on the same day in September so you know I think it's cool that you have a stat like that and then Indiana is one of the teams that is part of this top 20 you know the fact that now, them in Iowa, you want to see if those were not flukes from 2020. You know, the fact that you have Penn State and Wisconsin, who both had down years trying to prove themselves this year. Um, you know, you still got Maryland, West Virginia. You know, they've played some fun games in the past. And like you said, they don't open up with 
you know, FCS school or, you know, a lower level FBS school, you know, so we, we get into conference matchups. We're still getting, you know, power five teams as well. You know, Purdue's got Oregon State and, you know, a tricky matchup for them. So it's, it's going to be fun football. It's not a lot of, oh, I need to turn the channel here or turn the channel there because it should be a lot of close games. For sure. So we'll just start off from the uh, most intriguing weeknight matchup here, I think. Uh, Ohio State, Minnesota, or at least the first one. Um, I know Temple Rutgers and then kick off before, but more eyes will be on Ohio State, Minnesota. Uh, any chance Minnesota makes this interesting, takes advantage of a first-year QB? Um, obviously, the talent discrepancy will be uh, great whenever Ohio State takes the field this year, but, but what do you think uh, Thursday night is would, shaping up like? I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota hung around. Um, I think that the game plan for them has to be to try to, you know, limit possessions, you know, control the clock, you know, have one of those where you have the ball for 35, 36 minutes, you you run it as many times as possible with Ibrahim and Cam Wiley and guys like that. You know, their, their O-line is back to full strength. You know, last year they had guys that were injured and opted out because of COVID and stuff like that. And so now everybody's healthy, everybody's back. You know, they should be pretty talented. You know, they got the second most production returning of anybody in the Big Ten offense and defense. I think they can hang around, um, but they can't shoot themselves in the foot. The run defense has to be much, much better than it was a year ago. It was one of the worst in the country. Because as you said, Ohio State's got plenty of talent and you want to keep those guys on the sideline as much as possible. Yeah, a lot of eyeballs will be on that one for sure. Fun fun matchup. Should be a good crowd too. Um, Minnesota's kind of like that Thursday night team. They've kind of owned that in the last uh, several years in the Fleck era for sure. Um, all right, how about your guys? Uh, Michigan State and Northwestern. Are you going to that game? It's, it's right in our backyard here. I still haven't. Uh, I still haven't pulled the trigger. It's a lot, a lot of work I need to get done. But uh, hopefully, I can get enough of it done so I can go. All right. So, what are we thinking? Uh, Big Ten West champs with a matchup of a team that was kind of feisty last year, but uh, you know, still in a rebuild mode. What's uh, what's the prognosis? Especially, you know, Northwestern. Both teams actually kind of facing some quarterback uh, uncertainty. I literally have no idea what to expect because Northwestern lost more production than anybody in the country at Michigan State added 15 scholarship transfers from the portal. And beat Northwestern last year too. Right, and beat Northwestern in a bizarro world game where that was Northwestern's only loss uh, in regular season play. And, you know, Michigan State was not very good last year. And somehow they, you know, ran for 200 yards and, you know, went over the top and, and, had some big plays, which they didn't do the rest of the year. So I feel like these game, these teams always play weird games. Road team usually has an advantage for whatever reason. Um, you know, not can't say I'm surprised that Michigan State hasn't named a quarterback yet. I think they're, they're the only Big Ten team that hasn't done so publicly. So uh, they're going to give, you know, Fitz a lot of things to think about. Um, I see it being close either way, though. All right, fair enough. You know, we'll get, get another uh, conference game before Saturday even hits. But once Saturday does hit, you mentioned those two top uh, 25 ranked matchups. Which game between Penn State and Wisconsin or Indiana versus Iowa do you think will just have more fireworks, be a, be a more entertaining game, be closer? I think both will be close. I'm looking more for uh, Indiana-Iowa personally. Um, I do think Wisconsin, Penn State might have a, a few more points, but 
just from a matchup perspective, I, I'm very interested to see Indiana Iowa. Uh, you know, Iowa's defense has been outstanding. You know, the fact they had they've gone what 22 straight games with allowing 24 points or fewer, like by far the longest streak in the country. But Penix is back; he's healthy. Fry Fogel's back. You know, O-line's still pretty good. We, we've seen them, you know, throw it all over the place. But Iowa's got a pretty good secondary. You know, Indiana had trouble running the ball. They had a USC transfer at running back. You know, we'll see what happens against, you know, Iowa D-line that's missing a lot of guys. You know, they graduated, including last year's Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Iowa, you know, they were both, you know, two of the hottest teams in the country. You know, Iowa won their final six games after starting 0-2. And it's a huge game for both because next week, Iowa's at Iowa State. And then in two weeks, Indiana hosts Cincinnati. So you don't want to potentially be, you know, one and two or maybe 0 and two if you're Iowa. Like, it's a big game for both of them. Yeah, I was going to say, like, out of these four teams, whose season gets knocked off course maybe the most or is, is most disappointed by a week one loss? Because if you're in that Big Ten East, like, you don't want to give up any ground to Ohio State. You want to set up a matchup that's potentially <clears throat> zero loss versus zero loss when you when you square up with them, raise the stakes a little bit. The West has always traditionally, I think, been more wide open and competitive. Um, do you agree that that the Big Ten East teams can ill afford a loss a, a little more, or am I just, like, trying to reach and grasp the straws here? No, I mean, I, th- I think it's a fair point. I think it depends on how much you view Ohio State as a juggernaut or not. No, I don't know if this is the same. Ohio State from 2019, you know, I mean, that was one of the best teams we've ever seen. But but 2020, you know, showed some vulnerability. You know, we saw Indiana attack them uh, on defense. And, you know, we'll see what C.J. Stroud looks like in his first career start. You know, I think there's some certainly some questions there. And like you said, I think Penn State's probably got the second most talent, but them and Indiana are probably neck and neck for second. So a loss there certainly wouldn't wouldn't help. Um, but I think Iowa's got the most to lose out of the four just because they have Iowa State the following week. And I know they've owned that series, but that's just a really, really tough two-game stretch right there. And you don't want to start 0-2 after starting 0-2 the year before. Yeah, that's a great point. And you said Iowa, Iowa State, and, like, even though I just mentioned them in, you know, the my last point about non-traditional programs being great, like, I didn't even think of them when you said it as a – top 10 opponent and then i'm like well you're, you're right they got they got two right off the bat so even even my uh internal you know scheduling clock is, is off yeah it's crazy like again you wouldn't think iowa state is like the seventh best team in the country but like you know what matt campbell's done has been great and you know i know they, they're getting a lot of buzz but again iowa's own that series you just a lot of those games are normally close so if you're on one going into that you don't necessarily want to play with fire just assuming you're going to win because you usually do. All right. Outside of those matchups, anything that you're particularly looking forward to? You mentioned Maryland, West Virginia, uh, got Purdue and Oregon State. I feel like Oregon State always plays like Minnesota or some Big Ten team early in the season. Um, any Anything that, that jumps out at you at the, at the remaining um, buffet of matchups here? Uh, I mean, I'll touch on Wisconsin just a little bit. Um, I think it was a little bit of a surprise to me, but, uh, you know, we thought it'd be Jalen Berger starting at running back. It is not. It is Ches Malusi, the Clemson transfer. So I'm curious to see if he can kind of fill those Jonathan Taylor shoes. You know, they didn't really have a guy do that last year. 
Um, and, you know, Wisconsin's got a lot of hype behind them. You know, everybody's picking them to win the West, and they weren't that good last year. And obviously, I know COVID had, you know, a lot to do with that. And injuries had a lot to do with that. But you know, I'd be curious to see if Chesma Lucy's kind of the answer that, you know, plugs every hole. Because once that run game gets going, everything else falls into place. And they didn't have that last year. It was a lot of pressure on Mertz, and he didn't perform well. And so, you know, we'll see if Malusi's the guy that kind of makes everything go. All right. Well, I don't know if you're following the, the JP 30, Joshua Perry's uh, top 30 rankings of players in the Big Ten, but he had Jalen Berger on there, I think at number 25. So he's not even starting. So uh, maybe a, a knock on JP for that. But he left off Tyler Goodson, just like I think an oversight type deal, which tends to happen in these rankings. It happens. Hard, hard to get everyone in. Uh, I've been there. And I, you know, Iowa fans are definitely not the, the fans that are going to let that slide or notice or not notice that. So, you know, in all the comments of the day by day unveiling of the list, uh, we had a lot of Iowa fans chirping JP, even though he did have a, a Hawkeye at number one in Tyler Linderbaum. So to follow up on that, uh, this past week when Joshua was at Iowa shooting some ETN tailgate uh, scenes or, or segments, uh, he apologized to Tyler Goodson in person. I don't know if you heard about that, but kind of the fun uh, content that we're able to create out of these these uh, these countdowns. And I think Goodson was a good sport about it. He he understood. We'll we'll share that video coming up here in the remainder of the week. Oh, that's awesome. I did not hear that. I knew that uh, he was left off, and I saw Joshua admitted that it was an oversight. And again, I've been there. It happens. It sucks, but you know it is what it is. He's a really really good player. Um, you know, I think he might be a top three back in the league for sure. Um, and again, we, we know that they can run it and we know that offensive line is always good. And so, you know, if I can get over these, these first two games, they could have a special season for sure. All right, H, before we wrap up, um, this is me opening the floor for anything else you want to discuss. One of the, uh, questions that just came to my mind is which stadium or fan base you're excited to see uh in person again week one i mean i think i think Iowa's probably the the natural answer there as well just because one it's on big 10 network uh we get excited about that stuff around here when a, a big game is on on the network and we get to kind of own it um plus you know just kinnick stadium has that has that uh that vibe and and after seeing the stadiums empty last year it'll just be nice to you know once again get get fans back in the building good crowd at illinois even though it was hot but uh i think these games will be even more packed and, and popping. Yeah. Um, I guess for that, it's yeah, I would probably say Iowa. Um, just because, you know, we know Iowa, especially when it's a ranked opponent, you know, a lot of a lot of teams struggle there. And, you know, Kinnick is such a tremendous home field advantage. And it, it was just so weird seeing stadiums that will hold 80, 90, 100,000 be completely empty or like have, you know, 1,500 people or 800 people. And now we're getting back to, you know, the, the full capacity crowds. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what the Rutgers crowd looks like uh, on Thursday because, you know, they're supposed to have a sellout. You know, Shiano has brought a lot of juice back to that program and they're trying to build from last year and try to make a bowl this year. So it's cool for Rutgers to kind of get some buzz going with them again. And I'll be curious to see what that crowd is like uh, against Temple, because if it's a sellout against Temple, you can imagine what it's going to be during Big Ten play. I didn't realize it was a sellout. That's that's impressive. That's, you know, it's not exactly a small stadium there. It feels like we haven't seen that since the uh, Big East days. Um, it's crazy also thinking back 
not that long ago, like they almost didn't hire Shiano, right? And now it just seems like such a obvious hire uh, or an easy, you know, natural move, natural fit, but it almost didn't happen. Yeah, it's weird. Um, you know, it looked like he was locked and loaded for the Tennessee job and, you know, things went awry there and, you know, he just kind of waited it out. Rutgers opened up and, you know, I, th I think Rutgers wanted to kind of do the due diligence and make sure we looked at everybody and, you know, turned over every stone to make sure. But, you know, Shiano was kind of always the fallback. It seemed like it made the most sense, but they didn't necessarily want to go that route, you know, off the top. And then once they circled back, it was like, okay, this makes too much sense. Let's just get it done. And clearly it's worked. He's, he's done a great job there. He, he knows the landscape there. He knows all of the high school coaches there. They've got a ridiculous class already uh, for 22. Uh, you know, we'll see if they stay as high as they are, but I know they've been on uh, the top 15 as recently as a couple of weeks ago. So if you can just imagine you know, Rutgers and top 15 recruiting in the same sentence, you know, the previous four or five years, you know, you'd say you're crazy, but it just kind of goes to show what he's doing in the building that he's been doing at that program. Is Temple a threat at all? Because I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was Maryland got off to, to a no start. They were ranked and then Temple just derailed that early. Yeah, they've been backsliding, you know, for a while. Uh, you know, once Matt Rule left, it's kind of gone the wrong way. Uh, they weren't very good last year. Uh, I think they won one or two games and, you know, their, their quarterbacks now at Michigan state. So we'll see, uh, you know, if they have anything, I think they're, they're favored by like a couple touchdowns. So Rutgers should be fine as long as they don't turn the ball over a bunch. All right. Good to know. H. That's why we have you on. Uh, if there's anything else you want to get to, we could do it now. Otherwise uh, we'll wrap up and save some energy heading into week one. Uh, I just think there, there are going to be a lot of interesting games and you're going to see, you know, names that, might, might not necessarily jump out at you like UTSA or Oregon State or whatever. Like, you know, people think those should be easy wins. Uh, the people in the desert don't necessarily think so. So I would just say, you know, make sure you, you watch the games, uh, enjoy all of the games, and don't be surprised if you see a lot of close ones. Oh, yeah, I know. Illinois fans are not uh, overlooking UTSA, I don't think, uh, at least the knowledgeable ones, because uh, that's an experienced team from what I've seen, even though I haven't uh, – I haven't dug in too deep, but uh, good point. You know, there's, I, I just feel like it's going to be very few blowouts or games like you mentioned earlier that you can flip away from this weekend. Which is good because normally in week one, you get like maybe one or two good games and then everything else is, you know, 45, nothing, 38, seven, 52 to three. I don't think you'll see that this year. That's college football. I like let's keep it, keep it rolling. And uh, you know, maybe, Five years from now, we'll have some alliance matchups to, to look forward to uh, with a lot of, a lot of Pac-12 and ACC teams coming to town. Yeah, we've already got a few set up, you know, pre-alliance. You know, we got Miami coming in. We got Notre Dame, Wisconsin. You know, we got, got some, some fun stuff with Oregon and Washington next week, you know, coming to the Midwest. So, again, looking forward to seeing a lot more of those in the future. Agreed. All right, H, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Appreciate you jumping on as always. And uh, I'm going to see you next week, I think. I think we got some fun guests lined up. Uh, it'll be a surprise, but um, we're, we're getting these, this thing back going full strength heading into football. Love it. I'm looking forward to seeing who that guest is. Guest plural. So. Ooh, my bad. Plural. All right. Didn't mean to disrespect. Nah, we'll see you. <laughs> All right. Thanks as always to H, and thanks again to Cassius for jumping on. Making this a great show to, to relaunch our kind of fall season here at the network. Um, 
plan on having a lot of good stuff coming for you between now and the new year. So uh, a lot of episodes, a lot of, a lot of fun content, fun guests coming up during a, a busy time. We're back at it. Big 10 network. If you think back to a year ago, things were uncertain. Didn't know football was coming back. We were kind of uh, just in the wilderness. And then now everything back in full swing. It's a good feeling. So hope everyone is enjoying tuning in. Uh, definitely stay tuned for more of these episodes as we go. If you're new, if you've not yet done so, please subscribe on our uh, channels where podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts that should be available. And also, if you want to see the guests, not just hear them, check out Big Ten Network's YouTube channel where these episodes are posted in their entirety. Search for the Take 10 Podcast playlist and be sure to subscribe to the Big Ten Network YouTube channel while you're at it. All right. Thanks as always to Julie Bronder for stitching the show together. Thanks as always to everyone for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time here on Big Ten Podcast.